podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Old New Borrow Blue, a Blue Room podcast about some of the things we like about Everton as opposed to post-match, which is usually the things we don't like about Everton. Um, I am made up this week to be joined for Series 2, Episode 2 by Rob Vera, um, transatlantic podcaster and musical oracle. I think it's fair to say, Rob, how are you? I'm I'm manless. I'm great. I I don't know that I've ever had uh, such a beautiful introduction before. I love that. Love that. Yeah, I'm doing well. It's uh, Sunday uh, morning still over here and uh, just trying to, uh, I don't know, recover from the evening, recover from uh, yesterday's game a little bit. (laughs) We all are a bit, aren't we? It was, uh, I mean, I I think we just before we started recording, we said, um, You've taken a bit of a mental break from Everton in terms of podcasting and talking about them a lot. Um, yeah. So yesterday, we'll, we'll talk about Everton a little bit to start before we kick sure, off. Sure. What did no, you think sure. about that yesterday then? Well, it's funny. Yesterday happened to be one of the days where I um, I found myself tweeting during the game, which I've done far less of this year. Uh, less the season. I mean, I think part of the idea was that I would, um, by taking a break from podcasting, that would kind of naturally, uh, reduce my inclination to, uh, to talk about the game while it was going on. But I don't know, yesterday seemed like one of those ones where it just, it started a certain way and it just, you know, I found myself kind of weighing in and thinking about it, but not, yeah, it's frustrating. I I um I think that we all sort of are kind of locked right now into this uh into this weird um purgatory, if you will, for for the club. Like, you know, don't know who owns us, have no money to spend, um, don't know how many points we have, don't know if we're gonna be okay or if we're not. Um I remember when we got the the deduction, we were playing so well, you know, not only going into that, but a little bit after that, that a lot of us, including myself, were like, you know, take the 10 points. We won't get relegated anyway. And now, of course, we find ourselves uh, in the midst of the longest winless drought since 1994, uh, yep. a year that lives in <laughs> quite a bit of infamy with, with, <laughs> with, with many of us. And um, so... I'm a little, yeah, I'm a little worried. I'm, I'm a little, I'm back. To, I'm, I'm a little anxious, but I will say that, um, you know, it's, I, I'm, I've been so jazzed to get on with you, Les, just because, uh, you know, you guys know this, that most of the fun I derive from doing podcasts with you guys is just because you're my friends and I just love shooting the shit, but I, I have not missed uh, talking about this season uh, every week that much doesn't mean that I won't want to do it next season, uh, but I, I, I've really enjoyed the break uh, from yeah. it, and I've, I've needed that uh, to get back to. I, I don't know if I'm in a healthy place with Everton, Les, but I'm, <laughs> I, I'm. Let me put it this way: it's. Um, I think that sometimes when you love something, and I think this is true of a lot of our of our fan base, that you can love something that doesn't love you back. And in fact, is just a constant source of negativity. And after a while, it just can become really toxic. And I know that some of you guys have the ability to just power through that and just live in that that bleakness all the time. And and I think that I just had to admit at a certain point that I I just couldn't. And so I needed a little little break. It's been nice, but glad to be on talking with you today. Yeah, it's it's not been the best season to be talking about Everton. I mean, we're used to talking about crap football, but everything's yeah. been punctuated by by like solicitors, points deductions, legal cases, and it's just dead boring. So we'll move on from that and talk about some good <laughs> stuff. So before we kick off with your choices for this week's uh, Old New Borrow Blue, can you tell me what was the first game you remember mm. and what was the first game that you went to? Okay, so... Um... First game I went to is easy because you never forget that. And you certainly don't forget it when you're uh, an American like me who uh, has to kind of make a whole a whole trip out of it. But first, see, first one I can remember is is a little tough because when I started following Everton was in that magical 2004, 2005 Cinderella Champions League run. I've told the story before, but I, I, I like to joke that that was when uh, Everton really bamboozled me because I thought at the time 
Wow. What, what, I mean, I, it was, it, I became addicted to it, like, like, like a hard drug. And I thought, oh, God, it's going to always be like this, isn't it? <laughs> and I, I never realized it's sort of like a, a band that you love who's, or, or, or a band who, uh, their first album ends up being their very best album, you know, uh, fairly or not. It just, sometimes that's just the way it is. And, and I'm, I don't know. I mean, for me, that's the highest finish that was, was in year one of me following Everton. It's now been, we're going into, this is the, I guess next season I'll be going into my 20th year of, of following and supporting Everton. So when I started, it was a lot of um, really uh, dodgy uh, internet streams, uh, it, mostly audio only, believe it or not, over here. We had Fox Sports World, which was essentially a channel that on Saturdays and Sundays would show one game each. It seemed like it was always Manchester United or Arsenal. Uh, it, it, it seemed uh, maybe with some Chelsea mixed, you know, thrown in the mix there. And occasionally I get Everton. Um but I will tell you that in 0405, the games that really, you know, stuck out to me, obviously, were uh, to, to me, the one that I always point to is the first game that I remember watching. And I know I was watching it on my computer in a really bad stream, but also that really that's when I knew Everton had me was 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 Big Dunk's uh, header to, to win one nil against United uh, at Goodison. Uh, the Arteta, you know, free kick and the just just the the pandemonium. I I just thought I, I just I I could I can't describe to you what that moment was like in terms of suddenly realizing that oh shit I'm I'm really sucked into this and I don't think that I can get away from it now and that's how I felt. Uh, it was it was quite a thing and uh, you know other moments. Obviously, I had lots of other good moments of the years. The other the, my first game that I actually went to. I know, uh, Les, you know, this one was uh, New Year's Day 20. Oh, God, was it 2017? I can't remember whenever whenever Allardyce was in charge and um, it was Manchester United at home or it was at Goodison. Uh, United won two nil. Pogba absolutely dominated us that day. We we had a weird lineup actually that was my first i'm sorry that was my first game at goodison my actual first game was away at bournemouth sorry i always forget that uh because adrissa gay scored in that game but we lost two to one and uh <laughs> i remember when you know when you know rooney played in that game we also had this weird it was very allard allard dice dicey and like three defensive midfielders <laughs> like McCarthy hadn't played in months and he brought him right back into the first team that game and I, I can't remember who else he was paired with in that game but it was the football was predictably bad and yet I didn't care um I was at Bournemouth where you know of course I don't know that we've ever won a game you can tell me that statistically we've won a game at Bournemouth uh I know we won a cup game there with Joel Robles uh but it's I've, one of those I've places been twice we drew yeah. after we leading two nil after 75 minutes and then got beat. I can't, I can't think of a time when we've won down there. Yeah. Well, and before anyone jumps on me, I know we've won away at Bournemouth. <laughs> I'm just saying it's one of those places that feels like you've never won there. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's sort of like uh, in basketball there, there's some player on the opposing team who you could swear has never missed a shot against you. Like that's how I feel about um, <laughs> that, that den of evil uh, down on the South coast. But um it was still such a cool experience to be in the way in and then a couple days later was uh at goodison um so saw two losses with my first two everton games ever since then undefeated only wins uh every time i've watched everton live so clearly i'm gonna have to I'm, I'm planning to be back this season for the uh home game to burnley the the dice derby uh, and hopefully they've won a game by then les because this is it's getting a little alarming right now. <laughs> yeah, I think but, I think we might need a bit of your magic at that game, but by then it could be too late. Yeah, clearly. I do like the idea as well. I've been like on the def the difficult second album for the last nineteen years, basically. Yeah, yeah. I, I do like the idea of that. It does feel it does it does feel that way sometimes, but I I it doesn't mean that I haven't had some great memories and great times with Everton over the years. But I like many others did not realize at the time how good it was under Moyes uh for a lot of those years but yeah. all of that's con contextual of course 
there's no way we could have known how much not only Mashiri would change things for the worse, but how the league would, you know, there were always haves and have nots in the league, but it's somehow gotten even more the, you know, they always talk about uh, whenever you're, you're talking about politics and, and you talk, you know, there's always the, the, the arguments made about income inequality and the gap between the rich and poor and, and um, those things are real. And it feels like that gap's just only widened ever since I started supporting Everton to where, now it used to be like wow we got into champions league or we're getting we're fighting for champions league to now then it was well let's just get into europe and now it's just can we get back to a place where we just stay in the league uh and or don't have to worry about staying in the league and it just feels like that bar gets lower and lower and lower and i don't know if that means that it's destined to always continue to go lower but I just feel we just keep feeling like I, I can't believe we're here again because after the first escape with Lampard, I thought we just needed to get through that season and then we'll Same. be fine. Yeah. And then last season, we just need to get through the season and it'll be okay. And yet here we are again. And uh it's it, I could not have picked a bet to circle back around this. I could not have picked a better season to take a little time off from talking Everton every week. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you're not wrong at all there. Right, let's let dig into this then. And we'll talk about some happier times. Mm-hmm. Under Moyes, funnily enough, I think for your first, uh, your first, your favourite old former player, who is? Yeah. My favourite, so Les, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm zagging here a bit because I would imagine everyone would expect me to pick Yeri Mina, yep. uh, yep. who, whom I absolutely love and adore. But my actual favorite former Everton player is Marouane Fellaini. Uh, and I, now, now don't get me wrong, I, I think it's so funny when we talk about, you, you know, a personal favorite versus how you adjudge something to be, quote, the best, right? Like maybe the, the quote, best player I've ever seen play for Everton in my time was probably, you could argue maybe Leighton Baines or Lukaku at his peak. Uh, I still don't believe Lukaku's ever reached, you know, his, his, the Zenith that he did, especially in that final year with us, but Fellaini for a variety of reasons. I think Fellaini won because I have such distinct memories of his weird transfer that I'm still not convinced we actually got done in time, but we, they somehow let us sneak it through. Yeah. And this was, this was in the pre Twitter days when we acquired him. Uh, this is a standard liege, right? Like, isn't yeah, that where he yeah. came from? And um, I kept, I kept refreshing. Uh, I don't know if it was like news now or one of those sites where I could, you know, the, the, you know, I was waiting for the news and I was also had another tab <laughs> open refreshing the club page at the time. Cause this is what we had to do before Twitter. And I felt like the deadline had passed. And then suddenly it was like, we, we just squeezed in this deal for this guy. I, I, I'd never heard of. And and that was really the beginning for me, Les, of the notion of falling in love with a player that you've never seen play because you've been linked to him and now you just have to have him, right? Uh, But there was something about Fellaini coming in with the wild hair. He was big and tall and gangly. And what is this guy even supposed to be? And if you know me well enough, and this won't surprise anyone, I gravitate towards characters. You know, it's the reason that it's the reason why the the you know the Gravisons of the world, or even the Lee Carsleys of the world, like guys who look a little look a little strange or have some unique characteristics, but also have kind of a you know a bit of edge to them. Um, Fellaini was someone who looked initially like a baby deer out there trying to figure out how to use his legs and then eventually became so so awesome in midfield I I don't know if I I hope people can really remember when once he got to that point where he was really good he was so good like just in terms of being a physical presence kind of learning to ride that line now granted he still got a shit ton of yellow cards but but learning to kind of utilize his physicality, uh, but then also becoming a, a, a sneaky good passer, um, you know, get, finding ways to get in the box and, you know, score the odd goal here or there. My favorite, maybe my favorite Everton moment, one of my favorite Everton moments, at least since I've been following them. And certainly my favorite Fellaini moment was 
again, uh, good at Goodison against United. I think it was 2012, wasn't it? Yeah. Or 20, it was, I think it was Fellaini's last, it was like the first game of the season. It was I on was a either nice as well, was it? I think. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't remember if it was, yeah, but it was the first game of the season. Um, yeah, yeah. and we and we scored, we, you were probably at that game, Les, but but we scored. And his celebration where he jumps in the air and he takes his thumb and he and he does that thing where he kind of like points to the back of his <laughs> shirt, you know, like Fellaini, and he's just because man, when Fellaini scored or when Fellaini was part of something, that guy you could tell he gave a shit. And at the end of the day, I think the way that I sometimes look at players or the ways in which players become so personally endearing to me is when they a have a little bit of color or flair to them, but B they also genuinely every time they're out there care. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, that's, that's so part of the ethos of, of Everton and being a supporter is, is loving players who really care. I just, I tend to gravitate towards the more, uh, you know, the more oddball characters, clearly. Uh, That's my, (laughs) that may be my (laughs) MO, but, but, but I loved Fellaini, still love him. Um, It didn't even begrudge him going to United. I think that overall he, he did it the right way. I think he even scored in his last game for us, you know, in the midst of, of that transfer getting negotiated. It was probably like a cup game or something like that, but no, Fellaini gave me a lot of good memories, and um, I just I felt like I had to pick him because that those late years with Moyes before he you know when before he got the job uh, at United were actually upon reflection better than I remember them. And yeah. so I, I don't know something about Fellaini really sticks out during that period that I that I really loved that team. Yeah, I think um, I think you hit the nail on the head about when we signed him. So I remember I was. Uh, my job at the time was doing football statistics. So I was sat in the office just watching deadline day thinking nothing's going to happen here. And then I think it was about five past 11 on Sky Sports News. It broke the Everton had signed Maron Fellaini from standard liage for 15 million. That was like, right, who is he? And how have we spent 15 million on a player? Because yeah. we just didn't spend that sort of money at all. Like. 15 million. I know. I was yeah. like, whoa, where's this money coming from? <laughs> and then as you say, when he came in, he just couldn't get to grips with it. I think I looked it up before and he got, I think it was 10 bookings in his first 17 games. Yes, it, it felt like more somehow, but yes. Yeah. And he actually <laughs> he actually had a meeting uh, with Keith Hackett, who was England's chief referee, and vowed yeah. to improve his behaviour. Then he picked up three bookings in his next 16. <laughs> but it was it was pretty turbulent those first few games because yeah. it was this player who'd come in, no one had any idea who he was. Or that mm-hmm. certainly I didn't tell you, but I don't think a lot of people didn't. No. Because as you say, it was it was pre-Twitter days, so you know, there wasn't all the stats on every player flying around. And then he came in, we'd spent a record fee on him, and it looked like he's just gonna get he's just he's just ascending off, waiting to happen. But then as you say, when he clicked, he was something else. And I think he was a you know, I think Everton played without a proper striker for about two seasons, and him and Tim Kale were the two reasons we could do that. Yeah, because you know yeah. it was sort of I think Moyes probably innovated the false nine, if I'm honest. But um it was he was a big part of that, wasn't he? And, you know, as you say, he was he was a physical presence and that that United game you speak about, I think that's the best I've ever seen him play. He was he was unreal oh. that night. And and that night too, I think that's one thing I remember. And look, I, I'm the first to admit that I don't have the um the photographic memory that, you know, that I wish that I had for every Everton game or every performance, but it's sort of like the way that when someone asks me like what I think of a, of a, of an, of a movie or of, you know, an album these days is that I'm probably far less analytical about every little detail. And it's more about the feeling that it gives me. Um, And I just remember that night, thinking very consciously that even before the goal um, that he had just dominated, he was dominant. He looked incredible. Um, He just, he, you know, there was a, there was a period where, you know, and I think that was the thing back then with, with an Everton player, young player getting brought in like that, where you, you see them growing up in front of your eyes uh, and going from, as you pointed out, this like completely this player who did not know how to use his body at all and was just kind of all over the place 
to then developing into a just a fantastical physical midfielder, but also someone who could, you know, you know, cause cause trouble in the box. I always had a soft spot for guys who can cause mayhem <laughs> in the box on set pieces, but also yeah, a guy who could really pass the ball, really cover well. I, I just remember in that game thinking this this was going to be a fun special season. I and I, I don't think 2012 ended up like all that great. Uh, it was the year before, obviously Martinez came in or whatever. But there was definitely the the there, there definitely were was a lot of good good pieces. Were a lot of good pieces in that squad, and, and he was the one that I just had so much fondness for. And then of course, all the wigs, everyone wearing the, the <laughs> flady wigs. <laughs> I just, I mean, I remember when he would on, on occasion, Fellaini would uh, actually uh, pull his hair back and tie it into braids and stuff. And it was always jarring to me. Cause I was just like, it's like, Whoa, who is this guy? What is he doing? And then he would let him let it go again. And uh, I, I just, I don't know. He's just so memorable. And, and there are a lot of guys that have come and gone at everything that, you know, guys like you, Les, who will remember some random guy, I'll be like, oh, shit, I forgot that guy played for Everton. <laughs> Blaney is someone who is just for how he looked, how he played, and the overall presence he had, just someone that you can't forget. Yeah, he was. He was class. And as you say, he, he sort of, although there was there was a lot of disquiet about his move, because I think it was where Moyes tried to lowball us. When he was at Man oh, yeah, United. tried to take Baines and Fellaini at the same yeah, time. There was no, I'll never forgive no, Moyes for that. <laughs> yeah, and there was no real animosity when he moved. I think it was just like, okay, you're going to Man United. Fair enough, who wouldn't? Which is why it surprised me when he scored against us in the semi-final. He celebrated like mad. I felt a little bit put out by that because it was like, mm. we've not even given you a hard time. But yeah, um, a brilliant player for Everton. Yeah. Another one of those who's very sort of typical of those Moyes teams. Um, and yeah. Cracking choice for former player. Can't argue with that at all. So we'll yeah. move on to you, which is who is your favorite current player? Again, a solid choice, I think. I, well, and the reason that this answer almost frankly shocks me, Les, is because there was definitely a period of time where I was ready to move on from him. And I didn't, re- I thought, is, is this guy a little overrated? Uh, is his value externally the perception of his value bigger externally than it is with us what could we get for him can't you just because I was definitely one of those who thought if you've got a decent enough team in front of you you can have a seven out of ten keeper and be fine in this league and that's true little did I realize how horrible the outfield players that we would have at our disposal (laughs) overall would be for these last several years but Jordan Pickford is a guy who very different apples and oranges but when you talk about going from someone who was um you know constantly um kind of sabotaging himself with his immaturity to, to growing up over a period of time. Like I always rejected this idea that, well, he, for a keeper, he's young and, and people used to make use that as an excuse for his maturity issues. And I thought the guy's like in his mid twenties, let's not, let's not yeah. use that as a, as an excuse, but at some point, Les, and I don't know that this is scientific, but at whatever point he switched to the longer hair gelled up on top and, and yeah. combed yeah. back like a, a like a 1980s Wall Street tycoon <laughs> trader um, at that whatever. I don't know. Correlation is not causation and all of that. But he at some point, you know, post Newcastle meltdowns, what have you just suddenly developed into this player who um, was consistent. And that's all I ever really wanted was just the consistency, not making constant mistakes yet. No, he's not perfect. Yes. He like pretty much every other keeper I've ever seen in this league yells, you know, gets worked up during games and yells at the defenders because the, the keeper is responsible as you know, as for so much in regards to defensive communication and alignment mm-hmm. on set pieces and all these things. But I can't believe that I had gone from wanting to sell Pickford at a high price to now feeling like he has really been the only constant over these last several years of, in terms of a player who was available consistently, a player who performed consistently. And let's be honest, Les, like I can take any of these last, uh, especially the last two seasons where we really flirted with relegation. And then this season, 
I can point to key players who kept us, you know, go, like, like uh, to me, you know, I know that that Richarlison and uh, Awobi in in Lampard's uh, relegation season, you know, did so much to keep us keep us up last season. Um, it was the the combination of, you know, it was the combination of. Uh, you know, Dwight McNeil and a couple other players who really stepped up kind of late on uh, Decore, obviously. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, you know, when the manager finally relented after a seven game winless, winless streak and finally put Yerry Mina back in those, those performances were key to us surviving. And like, you know, you can point to players in those instances, the common denominator though, for keeping Everton in this league is Jordan Pickford. It, it just is. And I there, there I don't know how many times he saved us from either, you know, kept us at least getting a point or or keeping a, a win that we absolutely needed uh, with some of the most uh, fantastical saves you've ever seen. And it again, got got his flaws just like any player does. But um, I think that we've probably gotten to the point where we don't really talk about Pickford much anymore in terms of the normal narrative discourse about Everton and players. It's a lot of talk about the midfield and a lot of talk about how long will we have Branthwaite, who is probably also my other favorite player, but I can't get as attached to him because I think he'll probably be gone soon. But, (laughs) but, you know, there's constant talk about Calvert-Lewin and not scoring. But we, we almost have gotten to the point where we just don't even talk about Pickford anymore because, yes, he may have an odd mistake here or there, but overall, no one is saying oh well you know Pickford is the reason that we didn't do this or whatever he's just pretty much you know to me like a a solid seven and a half eight out of ten every game and we just don't even talk about it that much anymore and I think because of that he is I can't believe I'm saying this about someone with a personality like Jordan Pickford but he's sort of the calm in the storm of Everton over these last (laughs) several years isn't he like it's it's wild to say that (laughs) No, that's true though, isn't it? I think, I think a lot of us had kind of lost a bit of patience with him, um, and you know, I, you can't really talk about Jordan Pickford without talking about the Van Dyke tackle, because it was such a big thing. I think in his development as a player, because I think at that point he was erratic. So you say about like yeah. he threw a couple in at Newcastle a few times. He clearly loses head when playing against them, much in the same way most of us probably would if we were playing against Liverpool. Um, but then that tackle. He got all the fallouts after that from the press, from their fans, death threats, the lot. Oh, yeah. And then Ancelotti just kept them up the team, got them to see a psychologist. And I think that that kind of made him as a player then because he came back after about a month, six weeks out, I think it was. And he was, he still had all those those parts of his game where he'd constantly be yelling at the defence. He'd still mm. look a little bit erratic in his head at times. But he's a goalkeeper, and they're all a bit mad. I think they'd all, they'd all definitely attest to that. I forgot about that extended period he was out too. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was, no, it was just that that it really sort of it it set him as a player then because I think I don't know if I don't know if maybe because he had like basically inflicted such a bad injury on a player, you know, it, mm. it's going to affect you, isn't it, mentally? If you've done that, even if you can't stand him, it would affect yeah. you mentally because you don't really want to go out and hurt anyone. Um, so I think that really, and it was it was good that we had Ancelotti in charge who, you know, was a big enough character to really take control of that situation and had the bottle to leave him out the squad at the time as well. So I think that really made him. And since he's been back, it, it's the old thing, isn't it? He's uh, He plays brilliant for England, but he's crap for Everton. And it's like, well, how many times, how often do these people watch Everton? Because he's Yeah, they, they clearly don't watch. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think the surprising thing for me is how long he's actually stuck around. Because he, yes, he can't I be in the trophies, can he? <laughs> I can't believe that I, I was, I mean, look, let's be honest, the, the threshold for reliable media in, in your country was oh, so low. low. Like I, I just, I always have viewed the, um, they're in negotiations for a new deal stories with a lot of skepticism because how many times have we seen that never come to like Anthony Gordon was going to sign a new deal Lukaku was going to sign a new I mean we could go down the down the list of all the guys who were going to sign new deals and then you know were sold or what have you I just personally um you know I'm one of those who understands that this concept that we have of loyalty sometimes we try to um we really try to put on players of like well 
they should be as loyal as we are. Well, the players are never going to be as loyal because they're employees. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, it's just different. You know um, I get that there's a Seamus Coleman once every blue moon who just decides I'm never going anywhere else. Right. But that's typically not the way it is. I thought with Pickford that if there was ever a time to quote capitalize, get out now, you know, it might've been in these last, you know, season or two yeah, where, definitely. you know, he had, no one would have blamed him for, he could have very easily said, Hey, I, for the, for the sake of my ambitions, but also frankly, because Everton are such an unstable, you know, it's such an unstable, uncertain environment right now with the ownership, the constant changing of managers. He had every like viable excuse to say, I want to go challenge myself to be somewhere else or to do what have you. The fact that he stuck with Everton is something that I think people appreciate Les, but I don't know if they really get why, you know, get how rare that is anymore yeah. for someone to say, yeah, I know I'm part of a bad team, but I'm, and I'm the best player, but, but I'm, this is, I'm just, this is my place now. These, these are my, this is where I live. These are my people. I'm just comfortable here. Don't know why he's comfortable here, but he is. And <laughs> and so who am I to question that anymore? Um, I also think that, if we're being fair, so much of the discourse is very rightly um, about all the negativity around Everton. And look, um, I've, I've known club employees who have even reached out to me and said, you know, it seems a little negative sometimes and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, when you, when you do nothing but lose for most of a decade, you know, it's going to feel negative. It's, you know, it's how did those not to you, doesn't it? Yeah, but 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 I think one thing we probably underrate in the midst of all that is that when you talk to a lot of, you know, when you you sometimes will see these little nuggets in these interviews, these play a lot of players will still talk about how despite all the dysfunction and this is this seemed to be even the case with during Mashiri's time and and obviously before that that players felt like it is still a family club, they're treated in such a way um, that they are overall for for all the the vitriol that can be a Goodison that overall it's 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 a fairly um, you know it, it's a fairly supportive place as a player to to be in. Now, obviously, I know we've had our you know uh, confrontations outside Goodison uh, incidents over the last couple of seasons, but you know what I mean. Like overall, yeah. I think there's probably an element where players feel like this is still a comfort you know a safe warm bubble in some ways to be in and. And I don't blame Pickford, you know, Pick, to, I think Pickford's one of those guys who looks at England as his best chance for trophies. And that's where he's just like, that's my focus for that. Obviously he'd love to win at Everton, but I don't, I just think that he looks at Everton as this is my day job. I like being here. I'm comfortable here. I play well here. Well, I don't, and I'm paid better than anyone else at the club. So why not? And maybe that maybe, Hey, he's got his reasons. And so I'm really happy about it, but he's been a constant. I love, I've grown to love Jordan Pickford. And I frankly will be sad one day when he may, makes the decision to, to, to say he's going to go somewhere else, uh, which I would only imagine would be in England. I can't imagine him leaving England, but who knows? Yeah. Same. I think just, just to pick up quickly before we move on about the England stuff. Um, I think the fact that he's not moved and he's very, very rarely been linked with a move away is all the more remarkable when you consider that he goes England training every six weeks. Yeah. Now that, for players of clubs like Everton, that's like a sort of hotbed of getting tapped up to yeah. move to oh, a yeah. bigger club. It happens all the time. So whether he just doesn't get tapped up or whether he just dismisses it straight away, I don't know. But I do think that makes it all the more remarkable. And theoretically, he really should have won the Euros with England because for a keeper yeah. to make two saves in a penalty shootout and still not win it, that is really unlucky. That's yeah. like, that just doesn't happen, does it normally? So, yeah. um, and given yeah. his age and given his position, Les, he he looks at play. He, I think that he's still got so many more chances still uh, for England. I, I just don't see anyone taking his spot anytime soon. There's always talk of, you know, of someone who's who's coming to get take that job from him, but it never really materializes, and for good reason. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's. Um... I think he probably is my favourite player at the minute. So like I'm yeah. in full agreement about that. He's just, for me, I think it, before that it was Richarlison, he was like everything about that Everton team. I think it's Jordan Pickford now, and I think we would yeah. be lost without him. 
Can I, can I can I point out one other thing? One of my favorite live yeah. memories at Goodison is because of Jordan Pickford. We uh, this was the game of I think back in 2018 against Palace at home. Uh, Pickford had a a penalty save yeah. in that game. Um, uh, Calvert Lewin had the the game winner late on, and then you got a uh, a very rare uh, break, like you know, the very predictable Michael Keane with a perfect outlet pass to a sprinting Chink Tosin who who got the second goal in that game. Uh, it, it was just such a a beautiful moment. That was actually the first Everton win I'd ever seen live, and so it, it's always sort of stuck with me. But Pickford was a big part of that memory for me. Yeah, because that. That save was crucial. It was was it nil nil at the time or one nil? Yes, it was nil nil. Nil nil. And, and it, their penalty, was... midfielder, scored every penalty. He who was? Oh, what was his name? That for he, I think yeah, he still yeah. plays at Palace. Uh, and I'm blanking on his name. Yeah, exactly. I can't remember his name, but he was but a he good penalty taker. Always scores for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll figure. Yeah. It. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she said. Probably most memorable though for a jet healed Chang Tosin because I don't think we ever saw that before or since. No, hey, only if <laughs> you guys can uh, score a brace on a cold day in Stoke, and it's uh, it's Cheng Tosin. I was, I was at that game, it was oh, uh, wow. there was there was some great Cheng Tosin songs again. We didn't hear them before, we didn't hear them since, but it was a nope. uh, what a time to be alive. What a time. Um, moving on then to your favorite lone player. So, this is this player's actually been picked twice before as well. He's uh, a big, amazing, really. He's okay. a big favorite, and yeah. Well, before I go into that, I'll I'll let you explain who it is. Okay, it's Manuel Fernandez, and the reason it's Manuel Fernandez is because there are some players whose um, impact on my memory is definitely greater than the sum of their actual contributions at the club, yeah. but. You got to understand, like when I first in and and remind me again the year that he came on loan to ever to Everton Les, because I feel like you'll remember that. I was like oh six oh seven. Yeah, it was. I've got up here. It was oh seven. So he was at Benfica. Yeah. He was on loan at Portsmouth the season before. Then he came to us in two thousand and seven. To that okay, so you got to remember the context here for someone like me, um, who was not a uh, sadly was not following Everton in the glory days of the eighties, and and so I didn't have that like you know all these winning memories. But what I did have was you know starting in 04 watching Everton, watching lots of one nil grinded out games with let's be honest, some relatively pedestrian attacking players, you know, yeah. like Everton, like that 0405 season, I've never seen a club will themselves in to, to a champions league spot. And you never will again, by the way, with such a relatively small amount of overall talent. Now we were, we had a great center half pairing on that, in that side, great goalkeeping, you know the 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 Weir Stubbs partnership uh, was was huge. Uh, so, um, it was um, oh god, Richard Richard was it was it right? Who was the wait? Who was the keeper that season in 0405? They uh, Nigel Martin. Nigel Martin. Nigel Martin. Yeah. Yes, yeah. awesome that season. Yes, and then you know you had Arteta come whatever. But see, for the most part, it was a lot of grinding it out. And then suddenly in 07, I just remember, especially on the heels of the very disappointing James Beattie experience where I thought, hey, we're getting a real striker in here. It's someone kind of exciting. And he ended up being nothing. Manuel Fernandez, uh, for me, was like this first introduction of of this like young, pacey, kind of skilled, brash player who probably doesn't know any better that he's in England. It's supposed to be a lot harder and slower than this at times uh, with, with playing with Everton. Who just and and I think everyone probably remembers the same Manuel Fernandez goal. But yeah. the reason that I remember him and the reason that he was my favorite loan player because that was the first loan player where I began got into what ended up becoming, of course, the spiraling negative addiction, which is us getting a player on loan, them performing really well, and for a lot of those years. We would talk about trying to make it permanent and we weren't able to, you know, and, and, and he represented Fernandez for, again, he wasn't even that great overall, but it's just at the time he represented the promise that I feel like I've always been chasing with Everton, which is if we could just get this guy 
or just do this one thing and that because we're we always feel like that next step for Everton in the in, in terms of progression and I know that the concept of Everton progression is pretty foreign to much of our audience who may be of a certain young age who doesn't know what Everton <laughs> actually like building on seasons looks like but I just to me he represented something that was greater like I said than the sum of him or his contributions Manuel Fernandez was an exciting player who scored who looked fast who scored exciting goals when he scored and was someone who I thought this is what I want Everton to become is to have this side that that has this tough resolute defensive ability but also has these game breaking dudes who you know, can kind of make, add some color to the game and make it, make it a little more exciting. And I think that, like I said, I think for, for me, some players, uh, you don't have a question about this, but it's the same reason that like I became obsessed with Andre Yarmolenko who never made it to Everton. I mean, I know we've done an elevens of players who we thought we were going to get and didn't, it was guys that for whatever reason you, you got enamored with because it was always this idea that, if we could just do this, yeah. if we could just yeah. get this, it's, I, and I think people do this in life, you know, to, to their own peril where they think, you know, if I could just get a little more money, if I could just do this, then, then everything would be better. And of course it's never enough. And Fernandez, if we'd signed him permanently would obviously have cratered out as a player with us. <laughs> I know that I know how it works, but but I will say at the time, he captured my imagination. Uh, I know a lot of people will say Landon Donovan and probably expect an American to say that. And, and I did like seeing Landon Donovan come over and be successful. But to, to, for me, when Landon Donovan came to Everton, when he played well, it only made me feel the regret of why hadn't Landon Donovan been playing in Europe his whole career. He played, he yeah. wasted way too much of his time in his career. And I'm sure he wouldn't characterize it this way in MLS, which is, you know, a third tier professional league. And, it, and when he would come to Everton and succeed, I'm like, why, why, are, why is he not wanting to make this a permanent thing? You know, like why would, you know, why, I, I, who wants to live in San Diego uh, you know, <laughs> when you could be experiencing the, uh, the winter magic of Merseyside? Like, I, I don't know, but, but uh, that's, that's always where I was with that. But, but Fernandez is my choice because Fernandez was, was my introduction to probably the, the concept of the false dawn that you, you sometimes get in feeling with certain players. Yeah. And also a precursor of having getting done over by the league as well so um, the reason he didn't sign for us was because of third party ownership oh yeah oh I remember so, that yeah. I've never before... heard of that concept until Manuel Fernandez by the way yeah <laughs> but the league had actually let United sign Tevez and Mascherano yeah and they were third party I remember like them having third party ownership so once again it was one rule for them one rule for another but yeah he was um it was magic in that midfield for the for the time he came in he had two loan spells at Evan didn't he the second one not quite as successful, quite but I think good. I think the thing I've said about him is that his, his career was sort of littered with 10, 20 game seasons. So I think yeah. had we signed him, he would have been enigmatic and it might have ruined everything. He, yeah. might, he might not have had such fond memories. Um, and just funny, I, I said before, like I think Dan picked uh, Manny Fernandez and Gav Buckland did as well. And okay. Gav wow. sort of said, Gav. Oh, I love when I get one of Gav. Yeah, you know. but Gav reckons we should have a rule whereby the lone player's got to be one who didn't sign permanently because that changes the dynamic. But. Yeah, yeah. No, it, 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 it absolutely does. And, you know, I think of the ones who... I'm trying to think who more recently we got on loan. I mean, Gareth Barry, who ended up signing uh, yeah. permanently. Obviously, the Andre Gomez thing, which, you know... Yeah, it's it's always loans are weird at Everton because it's always a very much a case of be careful what you wish for, <laughs> as as is everything. At Everton. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. Then we will move on to your, the final category, uh, which is blue, which is your favorite Evertonian, your favorite thing about Everton, just uh, anything in relation to Everton that you love. Okay, well, I'm, I mean, if I'm going to do two things, one is going to be the the my favorite kind of. Uh, I'm just going to go fun here and go with my favorite like celebrity who uh, is, is a blue, who's a supporter. And this one, Les, is courtesy of Les Roberts because 
it's so crazy when as you get older you sometimes are, are pleasantly surprised when you learn something new uh about something that you feel like you know quite a bit about you know and uh if, you know as many of you know uh for about seven years i hosted a, a radio show a music show uh here locally and called turn of the century uh it, which is a podcast now that i'm just periodically we i think we do like once a month but you know it's just for fun whatever uh so that's my shameless plug for turn of the century uh which you can find on spotify and apple and wherever you get your <laughs> podcast um but i would also say that um you know, being someone who's so engrossed in both Everton and in music, especially music of the 80s, 90s, especially also uh, music from from the UK broadly, uh, but especially in that, that 80s period, uh, one of my favorite bands for quite a while uh, has, is The Cult. And I cannot believe I did not somehow know that Ian Asbury, the lead singer, who with one of the most distinctive voices that worked both in like kind of he worked he worked great in both post-punk new wave and just straight rock like that guy that guy could could be the lead singer of acdc and could be the lead singer of of you know name your your english post-punk band of, of the of the early 80s like he had just such an he has such has he's not dead he has such an incredible voice i cannot believe i didn't know ian asbury was was an everton supporter and i think back to like you know the 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 zenith of the cult are you know for me they're they're two kind of magnum opus albums uh 1985's electric which is my favorite it's a masterpiece or no 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 not 1985's love yeah. which is a masterpiece and 1987's electric and i thought how great was it for ian asbury at the time to be recording like legendary music and also supporting an Everton side winning titles at the time like it must have just been like what what a time to be alive for him at the time I I just thought but uh and and look I and, and I'm gonna point this out real quick Liz as I step away from the camera for those who don't know what Ian Asbury looks like this is the cover of the cult elect you know electric all right <laughs> Look at that, like, is it a coonskin cap? Is it a, it's some sort of dead animal that is on yeah. top of his head. And you can't get away with that except in the 80s, I suppose, <laughs> to a certain degree. But uh, he's a character and I love that he is an Everton fan. And if somehow Ian Asbury, uh, in I, who knows, but if he somehow hears this, I just want to tell Ian Asbury, uh, that I'm a big, huge fan of your music, and uh, I love that you love Everton, and I also am sorry that you love Everton. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know what? I love the fact that you didn't know he supported Everton. I, mean, he I don't know how I didn't know that. Yeah, I, but when you said, "Oh my God, he does," I was just like, "Yeah, you, you probably, I don't know if you like the music or dislike it a bit more now, but it's so good to know, isn't it?" Um, no it's it's just one of those things where like it doesn't make a difference like on look i i like echo and the bunny men and they're reds i mean i you know <laughs> I, I don't i can separate that kind of stuff like i'm never gonna you know like you can't if you're too if you're too uh rigid about the whole you know blue and red line and on merseyside then you couldn't listen to the beatles and be happy you know because yeah, then yeah. you'd have to be like you know oh, well, i only like the mccartney songs or stupid <laughs> shit like that like i'm not I, i'm not like that but the the fact that he is and he's just he's as as a lover of of hard rock punk rock new wave post punk uh, the the cults are legends and so for Ian Asbury to be an Evertonian is is pretty awesome yeah and and since since you were uh, you put me on it I have been battering those two albums oh just amazing know, can't beat it. Can't beat it. and and then the other thing I was going to say about my my favorite Everton thing is. Um, you know, in broad strokes, I don't want to rehash the same old stuff. But look, I, I say all the time that the proof of my love for Everton is that they've been this pretty bad for the vast majority of the time that I've supported them. And yet, um, no, no, um, let's put it this way, no sp association uh, with a fandom uh, for pretty much anything has come close to enriching my life the way that this has um, you know for all the talk of needing kind of a mental break from doing the the Everton podcasting bit with the Blue Room uh, you know this the season um, you know the friends that I've made 
um, and the the brotherhood really, and the experiences that I've had. I've now been over four times. Uh, I feel at home when I when I get to Liverpool. I I feel like I'm I'm in in my my second my second home. I really do, and it's it's hard to to articulate. I mean, I'm going to be back there in April. I, I joke. I was saying before for the Burnley game, but I'm there for one of my one of my closest friends' weddings. You know, like I wouldn't have had these relationships uh, without Everton, uh, shout out Mike Diasha, by the way. Um, I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have had these, uh, these, these friendships with it without, um, the common denominator, uh, of Everton. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe you could argue that, that Everton just kind of happens to be the thing that, that brought us together. I, I don't really know, but the bottom line is, is that without Everton, I wouldn't have such great friendships, relationships, and a connection to, a city that matters to me so much. And I'm to the point where whenever I encounter people in my professional life or my personal life, you talk about wanting to go to England. I always say to them, do yourself a favor and don't just go to London like every, you know, cause I think that yeah. all of our cultural perceptions primarily in America of England are largely built around a Southern point of view um and a london point of view and i i always say to them you know liverpool is one of the most incredible cities in the world it is the the north of england is is such a culturally different place and a rich place and a wonderful place and you're not going to find better people in the world uh than um than than you're going to find in liverpool and so that's the thing that I just I still love Everton for and will always love Everton for is that Everton gave me friends. Everton gave me a new city that I love and a, and a second home and uh, and everything that's come with it. And I and I will always be eternally grateful for that. And that is a lovely way to wrap things up. Can't say fairer than that. Um, thanks hey. for all these choices, Rob. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Just want to plug the, uh, the turn of the century podcast again. Oh yeah, sure. Um, I if you were ever a fan of the Turn of the Century music show, I know I, I a lot of those episodes are available for streaming. Uh, my wife and I now do a we do like once a month. We're just having fun. Uh, we're not really trying to make a, a living out of this, thank God. Because uh, as, as Les and I both know, you can't really make a living out of podcasting <laughs> at, at this no level, chance. but. Uh, no, uh, we, we talked the eighties, nineties, and two thousands music, movies, film, television, and, uh, we just enjoy shooting the shit. And so if you, uh, are of the, the demographic of Les and I, we, you know, or, or around that, that time, we, I sometimes refer to us as the greatest generation. Uh, sure. I don't know if anyone's ever come up with that term before, but clearly people <laughs> who were born in the late seventies to early eighties are part of that generation. Uh, I think you'll like the podcast, but uh yeah les really appreciate you having me on and uh always great talking to uh one of my my true blue uh blue room brothers so great cheers Rob. right right back at you man uh we will be back i'm not sure who's on next but we'll be back with someone else for another <laughs> old new borrow blue we will catch you next time sports social podcast network